2009, I interviewed Dr. Roland McCready at the HeartMath Institute on intuition, what are the strengths involved, because that's a natural part of much of the work I do, and it's obviously a part of the decision-making. Then when I was writing Decision-Making for Dummies, I dug deeply into naturalistic decision-making with pioneer Gary Klein's work and came across his book, Seeing What Others Don't, which was a massive revelation for me because I'd gone into organizations and see quite easily what others didn't, and I could never figure out quite why and nor could they, but it, it, it worked to set up the breakthroughs and set up a, an entire shift in how things, you know, a block or a stock or, or, or a leap of some kind. So it became incredibly important, but I actually didn't understand it until I had this conversation with Gary Klein. You are listening to the Insight to Action podcast. I'm your host, Donna Jones. My work involves transformation, both from the leadership level to the organizational level and through decision-making and through mindset. Gary, please, can you explain to us what insight is and why it's important to business right now? Okay, uh, so an insight is an unexpected shift in the way we understand things. We, we haven't planned for it. Sometimes we're not even looking or, or working on a, on a problem, and something happens, and all of a sudden we say, now I see what's been going on, or, oh, that's what's happening. So it, it comes with, without warning. It, it comes we haven't been, you know, deliberately working at it, and all of a sudden, there's that aha moment, and we understand things in a way that we didn't before, and the new understanding really uh, lets us make sense of things that were puzzling us, and it, it, it allows us to anticipate what might be happening. It, it, it's more accurate, it's, it's, it's more complete, and it, it allows us to... Uh, to be more successful. So that's what, what insights are, are about. So I want to go back to, to the issue that, that you raised when, when you were introducing this, is you'd go into organizations and you'd see things that others didn't. And I was um, just starting to think about why that happens. And when we have an insight, all of a sudden we come to an understanding that we didn't have before, but it's also an, an insight that other people didn't have before. And I think what happens in the organizations when you, when you uh, look around in organizations is people gradually grow up thinking in a certain way, and if there are any, any anomalies or discrepancies, they explain those away. And so they, they hold on to, to their beliefs, and they, and they just continue in that path, even though there's all these uh, inconsistencies. And so you, as a, a, an acute observer, an outsider, can come in and you haven't been going down that garden path with them. And so you, 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 it's not at all surprising that you would see things that others don't. Now, you asked me uh, also about why it matters, why it would matter uh, to, uh, to businesses, why, why, uh, what, what value would, would insights have to, to companies. And I have two responses. There's a simple response. I'll start with that. That... Insights are one of the major ways that companies obtain innovations. So insights can, can help companies uh, come up with innovations. Uh, second, insights can help companies diagnose problems that have been vexing them. And, and, and they, they can see, here's, here's how we've been getting in our own way, or, or, or here's what's, what's the culprit. And then another way is insights can help us spot opportunities, things that we hadn't been 
thinking about or, or, or wondering about, and all of a sudden somebody makes a connection and they say, you know, if we did it this way, look at what the outcome might be, and now they're off into a, a, a new direction. I want to give you a few examples of, of, of how insights achieve those, but then I want to go into the second value that insights have to companies. An example would be, uh, an example that, that I use in the book is you've got these two police officers sitting in traffic, and uh, one of them is driving, the other one, a younger one, is just sort of looking, uh, waiting for the traffic to clear, looking ahead, and he notices the car in front of him it's a new BMW, it's a, a nice, you know, a, a new model. And he watches, and the driver is smoking, and the driver takes a drag on a cigarette, and then, then the driver flicks the ashes into, onto the car. And the police officer is stunned by that and, and thinks, well, did, I, did I see that right? You know, who, who does that to, to your new car? And if you borrow it from a friend, would you do it to a friend's car? Who would do a thing like that? Maybe somebody who has obtained the use of that car illegally. And so they pull the driver over. Sure enough, it's a stolen car. Okay, so that's an example of an insight. It's not about somebody putting different pieces together to, uh, to come up with a new idea. It's somebody realizing that the pieces don't fit together, that there's a contradiction. So that's a type of insight that, that occurs. Other examples are Darwin uh, wondering about the variety of different species that, that, that he had observed during uh, the Beagle expedition. And, um, and, and why do these different species evolve and what's, what's, what's pushing it? And then he reads a book by Malthus about uh, competition for resources. And all of a sudden, wow, that's it. It's, uh, it's survival of the fittest and the competition for resources. That's the engine that drives, uh, that drives evolution. And so those are the kinds of examples that we see of, of people forming insights and coming up with new understanding. But there's a second, a second reason why insights have value to companies today that's, not, that's, a, that's a little more com complex. And the, the reason is, Companies right now, we see a huge trend towards trying to come up with more powerful calculations to understand how to run uh, businesses. You know, we, we talk about big data. We talk about the availability of much more data we've had before and the, the availability of more powerful analytic tools for, for uh, uh, crunching the, the data. And we talk about uh, the availability of computational power, computers, that can run those programs. And so people are, are looking at, uh, at, at better ways to, to crunch the numbers to come up with the answers. And insights are a complement to that. I'm not saying that these approaches are flawed. They're, they're extremely valuable, extremely powerful. But insights come in when the calculations aren't going to be enough. Insights come in when we deal with wicked problems where there's no clear right answer. Insights come in when some of the data that we've been relying on may be wrong. And we have to discover that rather than continue to crunch 
those those numbers because they're the wrong numbers. Insights come in when we've been making the wrong assumptions, and so the the, the number crunching can go off in in a, in a useless direction because our assumptions are flawed, and it takes insights to make to, to make that discovery that there's something wrong with our thinking. So uh, I, I think insights are an important complement for businesses that are, are, are maybe becoming too focused on, on, on number crunching. Well, you've raised a, a couple of points here that I think I'd like to explore a bit further. I mean, first of all, if a company is, if you're an entrepreneur and you're listening to this, then you rely on your intuition a lot. And I love the distinction you made between uh, intuition, which is the use, or sorry, um, using patterns you've already learned, and insight, which is the discovery of whole new patterns. So it's it's to me that 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 opening is seeing things where seeing new patterns where which are really sparked by by an anomaly it's sparked by things not lining up as per usual you know miss, miss uh, the missing piece so to speak what do companies do to <laughs> get in their own way around uh innovation with with respect to using an insight for that opening and innovation in my world is as simple as how do we organize ourselves better so we make better decisions we we get things done and we create a healthy workplace what are companies doing right now to block that capacity to uh use insights more effectively uh that's a painful topic that was one of the most discouraging parts of my research was encountering all these companies that, that believe that they want innovation, they want insights, they, they, they make these claims, but they don't act in that way. They act just the reverse. And, and the reason they act in, in the opposite direction is to have a smoothly running company, you want everything predictable. You want everything smooth and, and, and running according to plan, and insights aren't part of that. Insights are disruptive. Insights are disorganizing. So for an organization that values predictability and, and having things move in a regular schedule, insights become a problem. And the more dramatic the insight, often you find the greater the resistance. So how do companies, that's why companies block insights. And, and, and the way they do it, they become really extremely concerned about errors. And they, they go to uh, excessive steps to try to prevent any kinds of errors, and, and the actions that they take get in the way of insights. So what companies will do, they'll increase the number of reviews, and each reviewer, is the job of the reviewer is to make sure that no error creep in to, uh, to, to the plan, and so they're looking at it from the point of view of where are the mistakes rather than where are the opportunities, where are the discoveries. So you increase the number of reviews, you increase the number of controls. You, ha you, you have people try to follow checklists and procedures because that makes it easy to see if somebody missed a step or if they carried out a step incorrectly. So all of this is in the service of stamping out errors. You have people document their reasoning more carefully. And so people are, are consumed by that kind of busy work. And they don't have the space to form insights. Interesting, and I think it's that quest for certainty, predictability, and the use of controls that that blocks innovation. Period. Just because they're too, they're too busy trying to keep everything under control, when in fact the easiest way to gain that is to release the control and allow things to show up. 
that's scary for companies because they they want predictability, they want things running smoothly, and um, and, and and they're afraid to to let go, and they're afraid to trust uh, the insights and the skills of, of of their workers. Now you've hit on the fundamental point, I think, and that's trust. What, in your experience, between the book you've done on insights and the ones you've done previously on decision making? What is it that will help companies get over that fear and release that concern with with controlling the world, their world, that is? Yeah, uh, that, that that's another great question. Most companies can't; it's not in their DNA. What they when they think of managing, uh, their idea of, of managing is get everything specified, get your uh, plan laid out carefully, and you know. It's scheduled, you know, when each step, each task is supposed to start, when it's supposed to finish. All of that emerges when you don't really trust the judgment of the people who are working underneath you. And so you need to, to control very carefully what they do every step of the way because you're not sure they're good enough. Uh, and, and, and so it's hard to, to, to change a culture when that's the way you've grown up and that's the way you've... Uh, um, you, you, you've structured yourself. The companies, and, and, and another issue that, that, that comes up is as the companies become more successful, there's, there's more they can uh, they can lose, and so the consequences of errors become more frightening. So even a company that starts out trusting itself, trusting its workers, uh, trusting its ability to improvise and, and, and innovate, as it becomes bigger. And, and has more workers and more successful, even that, and they just become frightened about what could go wrong. Uh, so it, it's really hard to maintain a culture of, of innovation. What could a company do to move in the other direction? Well, we're, we're starting some discussions with, with companies right now that realize they've gone too far in that direction. And the first part is to, is to look at the balance between how much they do that's in the service of reducing errors and how much do they do that's in the service of increasing expertise and increasing uh, insight? And for most companies, when I talk about this, they say we're all about reducing errors. We do very little about increasing insights other than putting inspirational posters on the wall. <laughs> Which has limited effect. I'm glad to hear that those conversations are happening and that there's companies curious enough to recognize that they're in the place. You talk a little bit about curiosity in the book. Tell me more about curiosity and its role in, in finding insights and in innovation, if you will. Okay, so let me put that in, in, in the context. When um, I, I collected 120 examples of insights and I tried to uh, to see if they all had a common path and they didn't. I found there were three major paths that emerged. One of them was noticing contradictions, and we've talked about that before, like like, like the police officer seeing that the driver flick his ashes. Another one is what, what I'm calling creative desperation, where you know you're stuck and you don't know why, and you're trying to find out what assumption you're making that might be wrong. But the third path is about making connections. And sometimes there's different things that occur and you, you put those together and you realize that you can run with it. But sometimes it's simply curiosity. Something happens and you say, what is that all about? I need to investigate that. 
So it's not the insight itself, and we can't investigate everything that strikes our fancy, but it's having a, enough experience and enough judgment to, to, um, to, to determine this is worth my time. This could lead us down some promising avenues. And so curiosity becomes uh, a key resource for individuals and for organizations to be, to be nourished rather than to be stamped out by having people following steps to perform jobs in a way that, that, that doesn't, uh, doesn't promote uh, creativity. Einstein's discoveries come to mind when you mention the curiosity in that light. That Einstein's discoveries? Yeah, the idea of riding right. light beams and so forth is... Right, yeah. I mean, he started doing, engaging in those thought experiments when he was 16. And he was just sort of wondering. And, and he, he didn't know that 10 years later it was going to lead to uh, the theory of special relativity. That wasn't on his agenda. He just, he just became curious. He said... What would happen if, and he just imagined himself in, in these different situations, and, um, and he kept following, following the logic and following the curiosity and made some fundamental discoveries that had uh, escaped all the other physicists at the time. Well, and I have to say that when I first thought of the book and your, your conversation here and our conversation today, the first business innovation that I thought of was the post-it note, which was actually a mistake, you know, which is, I think, one of the more brilliant mistakes ever made. And, and definitely the, the insight was gained when somebody looked at that and went, whoa, this is, this is a whole – they just looked at it differently. They didn't look at it as a mistake. They saw it as being a practical solution to a problem we didn't know we had. Right, and that's when you talk about companies and what they can do, that's part of a, a culture change is to be open to those kinds of accidents and, and those kinds of anomalies and those opportunities. And instead of saying, well, you messed up, is saying, but what do we have here and, and being curious about what it might do for us. Now, the person who invented Post-it Notes, later on, people talked about some of the Error-reducing approaches that, that that have been had been uh, uh, imposed in, in, in businesses uh, such as Six Sigma, where you want to stamp out errors and you want to make sure you don't go have any chance of going down a, a wrong path. And he said, if Six Sigma had been in force way back when, I never would have discovered Post-it notes. Mm. Yeah. That makes a heck of a lot of sense. I knew from the story, you, by the way, you're a brilliant storyteller. I've never seen such a wonderful array of, of experiences that, um, that reveal the point uh, over and over again. When, when you relayed some of the stories about companies, perhaps it was uh, you know, some of the things that sort of where people tried to wave the flag internally in companies and they just haven't been heard. And yet here we are at a place where we're saying, hey, those, those places are the ones where you want to turn, seri- you know, turn more, and place more attention, look at it more seriously. There's a sense of judgment that needs to be applied to that. And not only that, there's a question around where do we begin? How do we begin in, in, in resurrecting the capacity for spotting insights in companies and knowing what they represent instead of trying to squash out the potential for them? Do you have any advice you would give someone Monday morning on, on how to, uh, to think about this in a different way so that, that we, we, we gain more than we lose? Right. This is, uh, this is the problem where you have a, a, a corporate chain of command 
and it only takes one person in, in that chain to say, now nah, I don't want to pass this up. I don't want to pass this along. And, and, and now the, the ideas never, never get to the top. And, and so um, the company is protected and a cocoon is protected from, from its own good ideas. So what can you do? Um, so one, one approach that, I, that, that people have suggested, not just me, is try to have some, 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 some relief valve along the way. So no good idea can be killed by just one person in one office. That if you think the idea is, is, is being uh, throttled, there's some, some lateral approach that uh, you can bring it elsewhere so that it can be reviewed so that you're not at the mercy of the most risk-averse, cautious individual in the entire chain. So that, that, that's one thought uh, that we have. Another is in, in terms of trying to change culture. Corporations often have lessons learned session when, when sessions when, when something wrong has happened. They say, why did it happen? How can we prevent it from happening again? But they, they, they don't have lessons learned session when something right has happened. And they don't celebrate. They don't celebrate insights. They don't gather the insight stories. They don't send people out to find out where did this idea come from? How did it make it through our, our chain of command? What what did we do right? And, and and how can we do more of it? And so I think it. I think steps like that might be possible if organizations were really serious about about promoting insight and innovation. Well, I agree, and I think really a lot of these kinds of problems are are in the purview of organizations that still operate uh, using a command and control management style, where the authorities are embedded in in the in the hierarchical structure. Some of the newer companies that are coming forward are not operating that way at all. They're operating with more of a flat and more fluid organization, and and so they encourage that kind of, of conversation. They encourage the anomalies. It's a completely different approach. And therefore, they're much more responsive and a whole lot more nimble to what's going on on the outside. Right. You know, and, and we're seeing, and I think the software community has helped lead the way because they realized that command and control approach was just killing them. So, so the, the organizational structure is going to make a difference. Um, the organizational policy, the official policy, may make a difference, but we, we've all heard policy statements that don't mean anything. I think what really sends a message, message to the organization is who gets promoted. Do you promote the people who you can, you can trust never to make a mistake, or do you promote the people who are just bubbling with ideas and enthusiasms and, and in fact, may waste some resources going exploring thing, exploring ideas that don't get you anywhere, but at least they're, they're trying to explore as opposed to trying to, to be safe. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, that's exciting. Now, can you tell us uh, a bit more about where people can find your book and learn more because um, huge value in this conversation and huge value to companies now that are talking, they, saying they want innovation and then working hard to prevent it? So the easiest way to get the book would be on Amazon. It's called Seeing What Others Don't. Gary, I want to thank you very much for being on the program today. Is there any parting thoughts, any any parting insight you can offer the listeners today on on uh, the whole business of seeing what others don't? One last thought is that a lot of the, the, the famous uh, examples of insights are, are dramatic, people winning Nobel Prizes, 
things like that. But the fact is, we all have insights all the time. We make these unexpected shifts. We come up with these discoveries, and we don't give it, and we don't appreciate it enough. We don't uh, celebrate it enough. And I think it would it would be valuable for for all uh, for all of us instead of you know condemning ourselves when we make mistakes to um, to pat ourselves on the back when we form insights and 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 and, and to just realize what 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 a strength that is for for, for us all absolutely i mean one of the one of the hazards of preventing mistakes is that you don't learn how to make better decisions i think you pointed that out very well in your in your other books so thank you Thank you for having me on, on, on the podcast. I appreciate it. Well, and thank you for being here, Gary. I'm looking forward to having some more conversations with you. Uh, humans have an overwhelming tendency to rely on data, as in the mental, factual kind of data. But we're taking in data all the time and, and processing it all the time. We just don't actually observe that or notice it. So I'm going to add to Gary's suggestions, and that is look for the outliers in your companies because the outliers are the ones who are spotting things going on all the time. Also, these are the places where ethical issues get get spotted, and if no one's listening, then they get played out on the media, which is not uh, the best place to have them play out. It's much better to have a more attentive, more aware organization that's paying attention to what's going on, because it's very easy to lose perspective. I mean, that was something Gary mentioned right at the beginning of the conversation. It's very easy to get into patterns we're wired for it from a brain size point of view to go into patterns. And so it's very easy to lose sight of, of where these openings uh, exist. And I also, by the way, I, I want to also add that for me, as someone who has uh, gone in, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who can't, who's, who's never been terribly clear on why you do what you do and why it works, is that this conversation for me really helped me understand the value of, of what it is I do and the capacity to take what we all have, which is, you know, powerful human technology that, that we can apply to daily problems and to workplace problems and to global problems. We can apply this at any level. And it, it really just takes us being more attentive to what what our thought processes are, what's going on for us, seeing, you know, that sense of curiosity is 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 just brilliant. So I, I really encourage you to Really observe your your own thinking. Observe places where you dismiss intuitions that you have just out of hand. You know, catch those before you let them go. Catch them and take a closer look and see what you can learn from yourself, actually, because it's a massive opportunity to do so. So my name is Donna Jones. I'm the host of the Insight to Action podcast. As you know, I also have my websites from insighttoaction.com with the from on the front of it. And my work involves helping organizations, individuals, self-leadership, self-transformation, shift all the way up to global, the global level. So we're really talking about the skills that are, that are small in, in terms of uh, scope. We don't, they're not a list of 50. There's, there's some really specific skills that you can apply to making better decisions, to looking after yourself better, to creating a better world. All of these inter interact with one another. It does take a mindset that that accepts mistakes as part of the exploration and part of the reward, actually, because that's where the big learning takes place. So uh, thank you very much for listening to the program. I hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, do have a listen to some of the other programs on the podcast to be super appreciated. Please subscribe and share the program with everyone you know. By the way, you can also find 
me on Twitter at E-P-D-A-W-N-A underscore Jones. You can find me on LinkedIn. And I have a chapter coming out in The Intelligence of the Cosmos by Irvin Laszlo. That's being published in mid-October of 2017. So keep an eye out for that. It's It's got a lot of insight into what are the deep dynamics that we run in companies. In fact, we'll have the next podcast will be about that. So So hopefully you'll gain some insight out of that. And there's that word again. Thanks very much for joining me and for listening in.